The Art of Poetry by Quintus Oratius Flaccus, translated by Andrew Wood, read for LibriVox.org by Lini. Part One. The Art of Poetry, to the Pisos. If to a human head a painter choose to join a horse's neck, and then should use limbs from all quarters gathered, them invest with varied plumage drawn from many a nest so that above a lovely maid he'd show but ending in a hideous fish below could you my friends from ridicule refrain when called to view a thing so strange so vain in such a work pisos to me it seems a book of fancies wrought like sick men's dreams resembles greatly for from first to last not in one mould the thoughts and words are cast painters you say and poets for their task have had such license fair as they may ask such license is legitimate we know in turn we seek and give it but not so that mild and cruel may stand tete-a-tete -tete, that snakes with birds tigers with lambs may mate to pompous introductions even such as seem to us at first to promise much oft here and there there's stacked some purple patch which by its lustre bright the eye may catch when dian's grove and altar they portray and the meandering streams as on their way through pleasant fields they rush the river rhine the watery bough they're out of place though fine i well a cypress can depict say you but what of that if you've to paint a view for a price paid where a man hopelessly swims from a wreck athwart a stormy sea why should we what a jar had been designed as the wheel turns a sorry pitcher find but in a word whate'er your subject be let it have oneness and simplicity o oh, sire sons worthy of that sire believe appearances of right most bards deceive if brevity i labour to secure then this results my lines become obscure in striving after smoothness it may be i fail in spirit and in energy say that my lines in lofty strain i cast the chances are i'm landed in bombast he who over cautious dreads the tempest's sound is apt to crouch and creep along the ground he who one theme would vary monstrously dolphins in woods depicts boars in the sea but from a fall to fly through one of skill may haply lead to error greater still. An artist near the Emilian school who lives, in style unique to nails expression gives. Well, too, soft hair in bronze he'll imitate. Yet, in the end, to an unhappy fate, his work may come because proportion meet he fails to give, nor makes the whole complete. Then be like such a one, should I compose, I'd rather be distinguished by a nose which draws attention by its ugliness, while fine black eyes and hair I might possess. That you should choose a subject, you who write, that suited to your strength is proper quite. Write, too, that you should ponder long with care what your powers can and what they cannot bear. Him who has chosen what his strength avails, nor eloquence nor lucid order fails. Unless I greatly err and speak amiss, the beauty and the worth of orders this, that it will say just now, without delay, exactly what just now it ought to say, that many things twill to defer a thing fit, and for the present many things omit, 
that of a promised work the author will this part prefer and that reject with skill nice too and cautious in the words you use well you'll succeed if you should introduce by skilful combination some new phrase which may from henceforth take a noted place if haply to describe it needful be subjects abstruse by words coined recently these words to fashion were compelled i own which to high-girt setheji were unknown and license will be given as needs occasion but license it must be in moderation new words and words but recently contrived will credit have if they should be derived from a greek root with small degree of change what truly shall a roman grant arrange to plautus and cecilius which in vain virgil and various may hope to gain shall there be grudge to me a boon not great if i a few new phrases can create since aeneas and cato's conversation enriched the language of the roman nation and new words introduced none will refuse nor have refused words sealed by present use as in the woods with each declining year the old leaves fall those first which first appear so likewise words grown old decay and die while newborn words like youth bloom vigorously ourselves and all we have for death are cast whether the poor which from the north winds blast our fleet protects a royal work or what was once not but a sterile marshy flat on which in boats one then might row which now feeds neighboring towns and bears the heavy plough or tiber wants to crops with mischief fraught but which a better course has now been taught if these and all the works of men must wane say shall the force and grace of words remain but many words which now are obsolete may yet revive and some which now we treat with honor shall go down if custom will custom the judge law rule of language still twas homer first who taught us in what verse sad wars kings leaders actions to rehearse alternate lines for plaintive moods devised joyful emotions afterwards comprised but who first used short elegiac strains grammarians fight a moot point it remains twas with his own iambics wrath supplied archilochus that measure has been tried both by our comic writers and by those who court the tragic muse that foot they chose because their dialogue it suited well as calculated too the noise to quell of an excited audience and as prone the action of the stage to hurry on the gods their offspring the heroic race the athlete who has gained the victor's place the winning horse the youthful lover's size of rosy wine the jovial draughts likewise all these to celebrate the tuneful nine the grateful duty to the lyre assign why am i greeted as a poet now if i'm unable if i know not how with chains marked of style and coloring the varied themes of poetry to sing why should i choose led by false modesty rather than learn still ignorant to be a comic subject loathes a tragic strain the banquet of Aestes will disdain familiar phrases which deep feeling mock, and which are worthy only of the sock. Then let each kind of verse its proper place assume, and hold it with becoming grace. Yet comedy sometimes her tone will raise, and angry creams rails in swelling phrase, the tragic telephus and Peleus moan, oft in prosaic style, when they alone, 
poor and in exile stand, away they cast, sesquipedalian words full of bombast, if the spectators' hearts to touch they care, while sad complaints before them they laid bare. Mere beauty in a poem won't suffice, it must affect the feelings and entice the minds of those who listen to proceed, whithersoever it may onwards lead. As those who laugh to those who laugh respond, so between weeping mortals there's a bond. If you would have me weep, you must first grieve. Then sympathy your sorrow will receive. Pelias and Telephus, without dispute, I'll sleep or laugh at words that do not suit. Sad words to sad looks are appropriate. Words full of threats become the passionate. Lascivious talk well suits the wanton leer, and serious words accord with the severe. Nature at first to fortune's varied path adapts our minds, she goads us on to wrath, makes us rejoice, or causes us to frown, when she with pain and sorrow weighs us down. But after, for the mind's emotions strong, she makes us find expression through the tongue. If a man's talk accords not with his station, both knights and mob for laughter find occasion. A difference great there will be then perforce, whether a hero or a god discourse. The man who to his ears ripe judgment owes, or he in whose young veins the hot blood flows, the nurse of fishes or the matron stayed, the merchant who long voyages has made, or he who tills the ground, the Colchian, the Argive, Theban or Assyrian. Follow tradition's lead, or be content, persons consistent with themselves to invent. If of renowned Achilles you would tell, let him be active and implacable. Let him be wrathful and impetuously, that laws were made for him with oaths deny. And to his arms, all married arrogate, Medea should be fierce, unbent by fate. Ixian treacherous, I know lacrimose, Io a waif, Orestes crushed with woes. If to the stage a theme as yet untried, you venture to commit, if you decide, a character that's new to broach, be sure that to the last that character endure, as from the first it started, and shall be born with itself throughout consistently. Tis difficult to treat a common theme, so that one's own it properly may seem. Suppose the Iliad you should dramatize, you'd on a course adventure much more wise than should you be the first to make your own subjects as yet unsung, as yet unknown. But public themes private by right you make, if no slow course of commonplace you take. If slavish rendering word by word you shun, not as an imitator headlong run, into a strait from whence her modesty, or laws of verse forbid you to get free. Don't, like the cyclic bard of old, begin, I'll sing of Priam's fate and Ward's loud den. What yields the boaster who thus blows his horn? The mountain's labor, and... A mouse is born. More rightly acts the bard who not essays, in such unskilful fashion when he says, Sing muse, the man who after Troy's dire fate, the habits swatched in towns of many state. With him no smoke succeeds to flesh's bright, but out of smoke he aims at causing light, that he his striking marvels forth may bring, such as Antipathies, the giant king. Scylla, Charybdis, and the Cyclops, why? Nor Diomedes returned as he indict, starting from Meleager's death, nor date from the twin eggs 
the Trojan war so great. His hastening ever to the denouement, into the middle of events along, his auditors he hurries as if they were well acquainted with them ere that day. Things which poetic treatment is not fit to render striking, these he will omit. And so he moulds his fiction, and so blends what's false with what is true to suit his ends, that twixt beginning, middle, and may be, observe no traces of discrepancy. What I and what the people wish now hear, if you admirers fain would have sincere, who will sit on until the curtains rise, and to applaud ye all, the player cries. Note well all ages' habits as they live, to varying ears and dispositions give, the character which they should each receive. Mark first the boy who just has learned to talk, and with a steady foot alone to walk, with those of his own age in gambles ranging, soon angry, calm as soon, with each hour changing. The beardless youth, released from tutor's claims, delights in horses, dogs, and campus games, plastic as walks in being bent to vice, churlish to those who tender him advice, slow in providing what may prove of use, yet of his money lavishly profuse, haughty, ambitious, readily he's moved, that to resign which he but lately loved. His views now changed, his manly eye and mine, seek wealth and friendships, honors strive to find. He's careful, lest himself he should commit, to things which soon to change he may see fit. Discomforts many the old man surround, either because he seeks what went is found, and hoards up wretchedly, or that all business with timidity and coldness he transacts, procrastinates, through long vista hopes, inactive waits. Thirsts for long life is peevish and morose, in praise of his young days is prone to prose. Blame of his juniors he will oft express, and chide their actions with censoriousness. Years as they come bring comforts in their train. Years as they go take them away again. Assign not to a youth an old man's spark, nor let a boy possess a grown man's heart. To every stage of life be sure you give the proper adjuncts which each should receive. Upon the stage the facts are either shown, or they are reported as already done. Things by the ear receive men's minds excite, much less than when submitted to the sight. For the spectator with his trusty eyes to his own mind impressions best applies. Yet you'll avoid to bring upon the scene things worthy only to be done within, and which in vivid words appropriate, one who had witnessed them can well relate. Let not Medea decency affright, and kill her offspring in the people's sight. And let not Atreus in his wicked rage, human intestines cook upon the stage. Display not Procnis turned into a bird, nor Cadmus to a snake, both scenes absurd. Whatever things like this you show to me, I hate and view with incredulity. A play should have five acts, nor less nor more, to be in vogue and acted o'er and o'er. The aid invoke not of a deity, unless a not worthy a god there be. Let no fourth person on the stage intrude, to mar the dialogue, but it is good. The chorus should sustain the actor's art, and vigorous action to the play in part. But twixt the acts it should not utter aught, that's not connected with, nor helps the plot. Let it support the good, with counsel aid. The angry rule, love those to sin afraid. Let it to frugal tables yield applause, let it advise sound and impartial laws, 
let it with justice strict imbued estates, and to them peace command with open gates. Let it conceal all secret things that may to it committed be, and let it pray, and supplicate the gods good luck to make, visit the wretched and the proud forsake. The olden flute, not then, as now tis found, jointed with brass, reveling the trumpet sound, but slender, with few stops, and simply made, served well the chorus to sustain and aid, and with its tones the theatre, which still was not close crammed sufficiently to fill. There flocked the people, countable though small, their number, frugal, modest, chaste withal. When they victorious add to their domains, and when a wider wall their towns contains, when noonday draughts of wine, free as they please, and holidays the genius appease, then with more license rhythm and time unite, to help the players and the crowd delight. Yet what of taste could the rude rustic know, with it polite mixed up, noble with low? Thus the musician tended to impart movements luxurious to the ancient art, and up and down the stage with measured tread, behind him dragged the robe with train outspread. Notes, too, were added to the solemn lyre, and the bard's words, impetuous, full of fire, a style of dialect then introduced, which ne'er before upon the stage was used, as to the things present shrewd the sentiment, and as to things to come so prescient, I would bear in truth comparison full well with any vaunted Delphic oracle. The poet, who a tragic drama wrote, in competition for a vile he goat, soon after rustic satires naked too brought on the stage twas a rough jest his view was saving tragedy's severity to lure and keep with grateful novelty him who his sacred duties duly done drunk to the playhouse came for roistering fun when merry witty satires thus you choose into a tragedy to introduce and to convert things serious into jest then he who played a god or hero dressed lately in robes of purple mixed with gold, should not, by using language low, make bold to pass into mean taverns, nor take fights, shutting the ground to clouds and empty heights. But tragedy, who hates like prattling phrase, like matron bid to dance on holidays, will mingle with those satires purred and free, with some reserve and bashful modesty. But should I write satiric plays, I choose not plain and literal words alone to use, nor from the tragic style so deviate that it would matter not if Davis prayed, and the bold Pythia, when from Simo she extracts his cash by errant roguery, or rather speak Silenus, grave but free, who guards and serves his foster deity. End of part one. This recording is in the public domain.